the blast from our past network. Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! Nothing for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Mm, giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back to back to back because we love Seinfeld. You love Seinfeld. Man, Seinfeld's the best, isn't it? That sure is. That sure is. It's almost as good as a Pottery Barn magazine. <laughs> good, yeah, good point. Ah. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And today we are talking season nine, episode five, The Junk Mail. And this is on our free feed. If you are not on our Patreon, I'm just going to throw out there. I highly suggest chipping $1 a month. Uno dinero ein monto. I don't know what month is in Spanish. <laughs> You're ger- Yeah. Exactly. I took German, man. I know. You're Mona- a German boy. <laughs> monat. Monat. You know, ein dollar. I forgot what per is. Alf monat, maybe. Fuck. I don't know. I'm so. I just. I forgot all my fucking German. You're failing on all levels, buddy. <laughs> Think about it, guys. Just go to patreon.com slash cartwright. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to pitch in a dollar a month, you're going to get twice the episodes. And I bet three times the fun. <laughs> and we had a really good discussion with the previous episode, The Blood. So you're not going to want to miss out on that one. Yep. All right. Uh, this episode aired October 30th, 1997. Corey, my man, could you please give us that synopsis? Of course. The Junk Mail. Kramer cancels his mail. Jerry's old friend, Fragile Frankie, gives him a van. Kramer offers Anthony Quinn's undershirt in exchange for the van. George's parents rekindle their romance. Elaine meets the man of her dreams, but wants to keep Putty on hold. Here we go. Wilford Brimley guest stars. All right. I'm a little upset that... The entire Kramer part of that synopsis was just about him offering a fucking the Anthony Quinn. Like, yeah, his story is much bigger than that. It has uh, has other stuff to it. Yeah, it's what the it, episode's it, named after. I know, but it says it just says he cancels his mail, but he doesn't yeah. cancel his mail. So, oh. yeah, this one was a poorly written synopsis, <laughs> and maybe a poorly written episode. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! <laughs> All right, we're gonna start at the apartment. Uh, George helps Jerry get off the phone with a little trick of, oh, Chinese food. Uh, and then, oh, I'm sorry, my Chinese food is here. And, uh, you know, he can easily get off the uh, phone that way. Yeah. Uh, we find out that, uh, Jerry is getting a new sob after doing a commercial for him, uh, which we know he's going to need a new one because of Kramer's blood infecting the other one. Yeah, and I like that. I like that there was a connection mm-hmm. between the previous episode and this one in the way of Jerry's car. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we find out that Jerry's old friend, Frankie Merman, set it up. Uh, they talk about him being kind of like, you know, oh, you're the summer George because uh, <laughs> he went to camp with him, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, George has sort of a, a disdain for, for fragile Frankie Merman. Yeah, we, they also set up that he is fragile Frankie, that he is kind of, you know, I don't know. You fragile? have to walk around on eggshells with this guy because... He is sensitive. 
Yes, he, yeah, and if you if you yeah if you upset him, he runs off into the woods and digs a hole, which will become a plot point later. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Okay, <laughs> dirt people. <laughs> all right, uh, Kramer comes in uh, with a bunch of Pottery Barn magazines, all this junk mail. He's been saving them. Apparently, he just keeps getting a shit ton of it, and he's gonna take it back to Pottery Barn because he's fucking sick of it. He doesn't want that shit anymore. And on the DVD, the only thing that's really behind the scenes on this one is that the writer was like, I got a lot of Pottery Barn stuff. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Let me just write a story. You know, like he basically yeah. he wrote himself as Kramer, essentially, and did what he always wanted to do. But that's, uh, yeah. but it's really this, it really is what you think it is. You know, I mean, so sometimes I should say sometimes it's as simple as you think it is to come up with the ideas for these episodes. And I would say back in the day. You would get a lot of these kind of if you if you bought like one thing from a catalog, you would be getting like these magazines all the goddamn time or just in general. Like sometimes the junk mail was insane. It's still not great, but especially in the 90s when mail was more important and we've realized mail is not as important. Um, (laughs) It's, It's almost as if a giant bloated infrastructure is there now and yet we don't need it anymore, but yet we can't get rid of it because too many jobs depend on it, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, there are some good things about the mail, I will say, but it's not as necessary as it once was. No, no. And I do like uh, how they have to deliver now on Sundays because UPS and FedEx uh, fuck them over, you know? You're, you're a bitter person, aren't you? You're just a, such <laughs> no, a bitter person. Just towards the government. Just towards the government. I, I fucking work. Well, I don't work for the federal government. I work for a goddamn small-ass municipality that does nothing for you. There you <laughs> or, go, Or buddy. against you. More importantly, does nothing <laughs> against you. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Elaine is with Putty at Monk's. Always like seeing Putty. Uh, and he that, that okra is just delicious. And I've never once thought that in my life. Okra is disgusting. What is okra? Uh, it's a vegetable. Okay. I don't know it, if I've, uh, ever even, now, I've ever had it. Okay. You didn't grow up in the South. Um, okay. Now, I know weird people in Maryland think they're part of the South, but they're not. No, no, this, we're not the South, yeah. Yeah, some some people say that, though. Some people think, like, oh, Maryland is the South. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, no, if you don't know what okra is, you're not from the fucking South. Um, yeah. Now, fried okra, it's, it's it's kind of like a long, stringy, it's kind of weird. It's almost like a, not, not, quite, not quite hexagonal, but it's got like a... Uh, I can't a star shape to it to an extent. I'm um, actually looking it up right now. Oh, I I recognize like that as a plant, but yeah. I didn't know it was edible, and I don't think I've ever eaten like and, an okra stalk or a stem or something. No, and, and and eating it unless it's deep battered and fried is a weird way to you know the, all I've ever seen growing up in the South. Fried okra is a staple for okay. many many people. Okay. Okay, interesting. I don't care for it because I just I just don't care for okra. It makes me wonder if if the one of the writers is from the south or something, or yeah. Putty just sort of you know maybe because did he have okra? You know, like it just makes I me wonder know. how it got there. You know what I mean? Uh, they they might have thought it was just a funny word or something. That's, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, no fucking it, clue. Yeah, again, see my previous statement of sometimes it's as simple as you think it yeah, is. You know exactly. All right, uh, after Putty leaves, uh, this guy wants to borrow some ketchup from Elaine, and she turns. Oh, and she is just lost in his eyes. She's immediately smitten. 
Yeah, and so this is Toby Huss. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Most recently, uh, go check out our pals over at Action Action. They reviewed a movie called Cop Shop uh, with uh, Gerard, Gerard Butler. Um, but Toby Huss was in that. I think he had a pretty prominent role in that. Um, he was also in like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's been in Veep. Just like little stuff here and there. But anytime I ever see him, He's always the whiz to me from this oh, okay. episode of Seinfeld. All right. So he, Toby Huss is a fantastic character actor. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw out some extra uh, things that I kind of recognize him more from. He was a reoccurring kind of criminal guy, Big Mike in uh, Reno 911. Oh, good. Um, he was the voice of Khan, the, uh, the neighbor in King of the Hill. Oh. Uh, the uh, kind of the louse. Yeah. The guy. Yeah. yeah. The, that was Toby Huss who did his no voice. shit. Okay. Yeah. And he was also Arnie, the world's strongest man, uh, in Adventures of Pete and Pete, which I doubt you watched. No, I never saw okay. that. But I know what I know I know what it is, and I know, you know, people of a certain age group yes, grew yes, up yes. on that shit. Yeah. Uh yeah, I did. Um but overall Toby Huss is, I think, a underrated character actor. And what do you think of when you first see him? Does is this what you think of, or do you think of one of the other shows? I honestly probably think of Arnie or Big Mike. Okay, cool. But 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 the Wiz isn't like far behind. But well, honestly, no, it's, it is far behind because I don't think of him. I don't think of him this much. You know, this is a one-off character. Okay, I guess let me ask you this, and this was something I was going to bring up later, but we might as well bring it up now. Did you have any Wiz the Wizzes near you? Growing up, the fuck up. are you talking about? The store, the Wiz. It's a it's a real store. I thought that was a completely made up thing for Seinfeld. I had no, I literally had, and that's one of my comments here is, what the fuck is the Wiz? Is he a trivia guy? Is he no? It's because it kept going about nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz at prices. Nobody beats the Wiz at trivia. What the fuck is the Wiz? So the Wiz is a Radio Shack type store, but it was only in the Northeast. So it was Pennsylvania, yeah, all, New okay. York, and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I assumed you probably didn't have it, but we did. And there was like the, the later on when we see the ad and everything, they ran ads like that, like him doing the Wiz thing. Like this is all a reference to a real wow. ad that was run. So. I think for me, it kind of latched on harder because I knew right when I saw this episode, I had grown up with the Wiz ads. I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this is, you know, so it probably landed a little bit harder for me. Oh, totally. Like, I I mean, I had no clue that was a legitimate store and that would make total sense for an entire different section of the U.S. getting something else from this episode than I got. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, as everyone knows, you grew up uh, in Georgia and whatnot, so, yeah, it didn't quite make its way down there, so. Okay, interesting, very interesting. All right. And they do a good job of, like, aping the original ads. I mean, it is <laughs> okay. all sort of, but obviously he, it wasn't him. It was other people doing it. They probably had people locally, you know, sort yeah, of yeah. doing like, it. like Bozo. Actually, yeah. Bozo the Clown. I, I, I have a very distinct uh, memory of my Bozo. Yeah. But different. different. Different yeah. areas had different bozos, and that's crazy. Just like there were different Ronald McDonald's for different areas that would yeah. go do, you know, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very cool. So, yeah. Right. The Wiz. Yep. Uh, George calls his parents, and, you know, he's talking to them on the phone, and they end up doing the same Chinese food gag uh, that George did at the very opener. And, you know, he gets a little suspicious about it, um, you know. So that's kind of weird. 
man, isn't it great to have the open actually have have something plot wise to do with uh, the rest of the episode? And oh, and yes. I know in season eight, I defended some of the cold opens and everything that didn't have anything to do with anything. But, you know, being able to see the comparison of the other side of that coin, it is better utilized in ways like this, where there is something in it that comes up later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kramer returns uh, Pottery Barnes magazines very dramatically into the store, throws them in. And and he gets no fanfare from it and then just kind of shuffles away, which when I was younger, I didn't think it was funny. Now I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Okay. Because he didn't get anything of what he wanted. He was trying to stick it to the man and nothing came of it. So he just kind of had to close the door and walk away. I must be not as mature as you because like I... It, it didn't hit me, but maybe it's because, uh, you know, just I have, to, I have to do a lot of pausing when I watch my episodes. And so I I don't get a proper flow, I will say, sometimes when I'm watching Seinfeld because I have to stop, write these notes, go look up this thing, and then, boom, start it back up. Okay, yeah. shit, now I got to stop, write this, and all this kind of stuff. So well, that's possible. I've never asked. How long does it take you to get through an episode of Seinfeld? About an hour with uh, yes, the yes, pausing? Yes, yeah, pretty much yeah. right at every, an hour for every episode that I'm watching. I honestly, I pause a lot too. Cause if I do take notes, I, I don't take my, I don't want to take my eyes off something. So mm-hmm. I'll pause it as well, but it probably only takes me about 40, 45 minutes to do okay. it. So. But still, yeah. yeah, it's a little behind the scenes guys and gals for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a different, different way of ingesting Seinfeld and it's not, it's straight up not as good. Now I'm doing it because I like dissecting Seinfeld, but, um, a lot of there times we walk things- away, we know more about the episode than I think we've ever known before, but yes. sometimes it hinders the the feeling that you get from just seeing everything nonstop, you know? Yes, and and, and for an editor, the flow is an important thing, and right. I do disrupt that. And so um, I, I do think it, you know, there's a bit of a hindrance, but I, I, I mean... I can always go back in my mind's eye and be like, okay, I, I know I've seen every every single episode. I've seen like fucking five times through. Yeah. So the sixth some time, gaps. not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And hey, we've made it this far in the series. We're not changing anything now. So <laughs> God, we're at the end. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? And yeah. like, holy shit, the last like 15 episodes, I'm like, I have, I've got to change the way I'm doing it now. So, all right. Uh, George thinks his parents scammed him to get off the phone, just like he did earlier. Uh, Jerry suggests that he looks for leftovers because whenever you get Chinese, you always have leftovers. He's never eaten in my house. That's for damn sure. Um, (laughs) I eat my, I eat all the entire goddamn box of Chinese food. Now my wife doesn't. Um, she's has, she has regular portion control. She is a sane human being. I am not, I don't have the filter and I just eat the whole goddamn thing. Oh, I love good Chinese food, man. Oh, I do. I do, too. Uh, we just found... N- <laughs> just My town's not very well known for its ethnic food, and we didn't find good Chinese food, but we found cheap and easy Chinese food. Yeah, you go. And sometimes if it's not that's, good, it better be cheap and easy. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, you know, that, that it hits the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Elaine comes into the apartment. She is high on this new guy. Um, you know, she is just kind of smitten, as I mentioned before. She is just all about him, uh, but she's unfortunately still with Putty. So she's going to have to figure out something there. Uh, Kramer comes in. He's got more junk mail. It just keeps piling up. God damn it. And he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna take it to the source. And then, you know, or something like that. And Jerry's like, stop the mail. And he's like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, what was, his, what was his original idea, I guess? 
probably go to every store and chuck it back at people. Probably, yes, you're probably right. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, Jerry sees Frankie, his old buddy. Played by Dana Gould, who Dana is a... Dana Gould. Oh, sorry. Let's go ahead. Yeah, no, he's a huge name in, in comedy, like yep. writing, producing, stand-up comedy. He is a... I think he's a comics comic, you know, type of thing. Yes, he's really strong with his stand-up. He was a writer on Simpsons. He's been a writer on tons of stuff. And he created um, Stan Against Evil, which yeah. has, uh, yeah, the guy from John Scrubs. John C. McGinley from yep. Scrubs, yes. Fuck and, yes. and by the way, you would think that that show would have been right up my alley. Myra and I tried watching it, and also, like, I wanted to because I Dana Gould and everything. It didn't hit with me, but it's been on for, like, a, a lot of seasons. Like, it lasted a while. It was on IFC, and I never tried it. Um, I didn't really pay attention to IFC, uh, but I need to give that a shot because I love John C. McGinley. Um, I like the writing of Dana Gould, so yeah. I need to give that a shot. And then I think Dana Gould has a has a podcast that's supposed to be fantastic. Oh, I'm sure it's almost like it's almost as good as uh, anything on the Beef Up Network. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost, yeah. <laughs> almost. <as> good. <laughs> go to beefupnetwork.com to check out all the shows on the Beef Up Network. There you go. But I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll come all the way back again. Anytime I ever see Dana Gould, I always think of Frankie Merman first. Yeah, I probably. I mean, he's not. He's he's done some acting but he's, he's much more prevalent huge... behind the scenes than yes. he is yeah absolutely all right um but we find out that jerry's not getting a new sob he's getting a van and uh yeah it's jerry's not a van guy but no. okay no. all right um but because frankie is fragile frankie jerry doesn't want to upset him and so you know he just kind of goes along with it sure sure George goes to see his parents. They ditch him immediately. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to be around him. Yeah. And George notices that there are no leftovers. So he's getting suspicious. Of course. So, all right. Elaine goes on a date with that guy. And she's still smitten. She just looks into his eyes. And immediately... When he goes to the bathroom, well, he's going to the crapper, I think is what he said, or something <laughs> like that. He's use the can. Or, he's yeah, the he's can. not as cool or beautiful as as they always change it. So when she looks at him, it's when it's from her point of view, they do that light on his eyes. And yeah. it's kind of got that old 40s film look to it where there's like almost like shadow above and below the light and everything. And he's, he's flashing his blue eyes. And then it cuts to like the, re the real shot. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go use the crapper. And he's like, yeah, I, I think they could have, though, done a bit more of a of a disparity between how he acts and and how she thinks he is, you know. And I also feel like there should have been a better reason for like falling in love with his eyes because at the commercial, that's not enough explanation. Yeah, his his eyes aren't like prevalent in the commercial no. or anything. No, you know? yeah. Like how the fuck? Where is this connection? Toby Huss, good character actor. He's not a particularly attractive man. No. I would say no. Patrick Warburton is more attractive than fucking he is. Yeah. And so, like, and his eyes are fine, and they give it, like, the you know, like, this pretty treatment, but it's not, it's not, like, this amazing thing. And so, like, this connection between that smittenness that also Jerry gets in a soon, soon little bit, and then, like, the falling in love and, like, the commercial, it's just not there for me. I think they fucking failed terribly. 
Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm not against what you're saying. Like, they should have made him from a com- if they're gonna make him from a commercial, like have it be like a K Jewelers commercial. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Yeah. But there's something that's not connecting there because the whole Wiz thing, he's a goofball in the commercial. So well, why would she be smitten? It's it, yes. then in the commercial, he should have been sexy in the commercial. You know? Yes, exactly. He needed like something. Something about his eyes needed yeah. to be prevalent in the commercial, and it was not. Yeah. So, I mean, fuck, anyway. my eyes are bluer than his, and you don't see Adam getting all goo-goo-eyed and smitten at me. Buddy, you only see the top half of me. You don't know the wildness that's <laughs> happening below this desk. Okay? True, true. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, because she's so smitten, she calls Putty in the restaurant uh, and ends things immediately. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, that's I fine. mean, I li- I, I've said it before. I like their, I like the toxicity of their relationship. Yeah, and it's a weird episode because, like, Putty's in it, but he's only in it. He's in it twice, but only, like, collectively for 30 seconds. So it's almost like, were you just working on set? You know, like, were you Mm -hmm. working on the lot that day? And they were like, hey, just come over and sit in for a second. It was almost like he was wearing, like, his outfit from, like, another show or something, too. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Uh, Jerry drives the van with Frankie. You know, he kind of lightly mentions, oh, maybe I should swap it. And then Frankie, of course, freaks out and gets fragile about it. And so Jerry backs down. Um, And, you know, of course, he's going to just continue with the van because fragile Frankie. So uh, Kramer puts bricks in his little uh, apartment mailbox to stop from getting any mail, period, uh, especially <laughs> I, the junk. And I like how Jerry's like, where'd you get the bricks from? And he's like, this whole place is made of bricks. And he doesn't explain it, but I was like, that's funny. I like that. Yeah, you can just assume he took them from the building. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jerry plans to sell the van. Uh, Kramer says he wants to help. Uh, so... We see now, though, unfortunately, Kramer's mail is now going into Jerry's box. And, you know, to end things, Kramer is going to go to the post office and end things there. Um, Elaine introduces Jack the Wiz to Jerry, and he's also enthralled by his eyes. Again, the eyes thing, we've already talked about it. It doesn't make sense. Or they should have just picked an actor or got an actor with, like, really crazy blue eyes or something, you know? Like, just something. Yep. Kramer goes to cancel his mail, but um, Newman comes in, 
tries to stop him. Um, I love, you know, this little interaction. And he's like, of course, no one needs the mail. Yeah. Like, you know, just the way that they treat Newman and the post office as an entire conspiracy and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I, it's not like it's the first time they've done that. Like this whole, this underground CD thing with the mail and Newman, it's, it fits well. It's something that they do multiple times. And I love that. Me too. And if Newman didn't get much, you know, to, to do last episode, um, I'm loving what he's doing this episode because he's, he's got a lot of scenery to chew on here. And it's great because when you let, you know, Wayne Knight loose, he does some great stuff. Yes, he does. George uh, is still at the house when his parents come back. We find out they've had it with him. They're cutting him loose. They're just tired of him as a person. And <laughs> honestly, I kind of think they're probably validated in that yeah. decision. <laughs> and, I, and I love, I was, Frank's like, I love you like a son, but, you know, we're going to have to cut you loose. That was funny. And then I do love, I was like, now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to make love to your mother. And I was like, I like how, how Estelle and Frank are so into each other the, this episode. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It's different. We didn't see what the catalyst for it was, but I like it. I actually do like it. Yeah, I mean, because we get a lot of back and forth with them. Obviously, a lot of yelling between them very often. Um, We've had times where they're separated and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but right now we're on a high of Frank and Estelle, and I'm with it. Yeah, they're banging, baby. They're banging. (laughs) They are. All right, uh, George complains about all this to Jerry, um, and to get back at his parents, the dumbest goddamn plot line in this fucking episode he decides to upset his parents. He's going to date his cousin and that will somehow get back at his dad. I, I don't get this. Yeah, I guess cause they want to cut him out of their, their life. So he's like, well, if you, if you want to cut me out of your life, I'm going to insert myself into your life by dating your brother's daughter. You know what I mean? And yeah, the logic makes no sense. He throw on top of it. Her, she's got a weird name like Rissa or something like that. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it's. I've never. I have fond memories of this episode, but I've never, and they may not be reflected in in my final score. But I've always enjoyed this episode, and uh, or at least I thought I did. But I never quite liked this little storyline because it never made sense to me as a kid. You know, I was like. Maybe I don't have hot hot cousins that I want to date, but then again, neither was Rissa, so I don't really know where he's. I don't. Like, how did he even jump to this conclusion? You know? Yeah, I, yeah. The logic leap is just—it's too far. It doesn't. I I don't like it. It doesn't make it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So yeah. all right, well, let's just move on. Uh, Jerry sees a commercial on TV. And it's the Wiz. Well, he's actually, uh, he was going through a VHS tape. Oh, that's what it was? Okay. Yeah, so he was trying to, because he was like, I know where I saw this guy from. So he was going through an old VHS tape, and I guess he had taped something, and he had also clearly taped the commercials. So he was trying to find out, you know, what that was. And it's funny, because now when you think about it, whenever I watch a video on YouTube, you know, I'm actually always happy when somebody, like, kept the commercials, you know, from yeah, the 80s. Yeah, I know, like, I know yeah, exactly. you know, it's great. So I'm like, so I'm telling, like, Jerry, upload that VHS tape to youtube buddy <laughs> uh so yeah um jerry 
you know, Elaine does come in. She asks, he asks about Jack and knowing full well, yeah. you know, who he is and whatnot. And then he ends up showing her the commercial. And I love it when Jerry has that upper hand knowledge, you know, and she's yes. like, oh, I'm so smitten. He's like, oh, are you? Are you smitten with, like, he does something to the effect of with this. And then, you know, yeah. does it play. And then, you know, she sees it in all, all its horror. <laughs> yeah. And then a, a weird little scene or a little spot. Uh, Jerry gets a call about the van. He doesn't apparently recognize Kramer's voice. For some reason. Uh, and then in pops Kramer. Kramer was the one who called wanting to buy the van. Yeah. Okay. And he mentions interesting trades, which is something that Kramer put in to the ad about it. Early on. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't find it believable that he didn't recognize Kramer's voice. I also don't find it believable that he has to accept the trade that Kramer, you know, gives him. Although he but doesn't. He, but he doesn't, yeah. but it was really fucking weird that he let him borrow it and all that. Whatever. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, yeah. It's we're on a downslide <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, George takes his cousin on a date. Um, she's a complete fucking idiot. And she's into the idea of be- them being together and wanting to fuck George. And it's just, it's weird. Yeah, and uh, Rissa's played by Lori Taylor Williams. She's has like five credits. Like she was on an episode of Just Shoot Me, which is a show that I loved. Don't remember her at all, of course, but this is this is it pretty much for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kramer acts like a complete asshole customer, um, but he's being Kramer. He's trying to. He's getting into like deal mode or whatever. He's trying to trade the van. For Anthony Quinn's undershirt. Yeah, he was changing his shirt in the park, and Grant Kramer grabbed it and, and ran. And yeah, so that's it. That's his way he's trading for. So for my anyone, thing is, my thing has always yeah. been okay. That's great. No, the answer is no. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know Anthony Quinn, he was in Zorba the Greek in Lawrence of Arabia. Like he's an old actor. Yeah, yeah. That no one gives a fuck about anymore. Yeah, that was a weird one for them to call out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't think he was big in the 90s. Like, what would have brought him back into the zeitgeist? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he was ever big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elaine meets with Putty trying to get back together with him. Um, but he makes fun of her for basically dating the Maytag repairman <laughs> and, um, he's not going to take her back. Yeah. And so, I said, okay. good job, buddy. Have some dignity, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Exactly. Cause I like, I like their toxic relationship and I like that it's a back and forth. It's not Elaine deciding yes or no. Sometimes it's putty ending things sometimes it's her ending things like they are ridiculous and we know they get back together because we haven't seen the eight ball yet exactly (laughs) eight ball (laughs) god damn i love the eight ball (laughs) me too (laughs) oh man i would love to own that you know what if you go to a certain tier in in cartwright we should probably put like you know (laughs) the eight ball yeah the eight ball (laughs) here's the eight ball (laughs) all right anyway uh kramer hands out flyers against the mail um, and apparently he doing it from the van. I didn't understand why he, he is allowed to use the van at this point. He could have handed out flyers from any fucking place, but he's got the van. Frankie sees him and freaks out because he could tell it was Jerry's van. And he's like, what? He got rid of it. And Kramer, there's an ongoing joke with Kramer having like this dummy mannequin thing dressed up like, you know, a, a postal worker uh, with a bucket uh, on his head. And they're like, he's like, his, his excuse is like, 
it's blinded to the tyranny or something like that. And then everyone's like, so why, why don't you have the bucket on your head? It just, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense to people. It's not yeah, funny. This not is, funny. It doesn't make sense to people in the show. It doesn't make sense to people out in the audience. I fucking hated the goddamn bucket. The only thing that is somewhat decent Newman. is when we see Newman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interject, but I, I hate no, the fucking bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's so, fine. Right. I'm with you. I hate it too, but I do like the Newman aspect of it. I like the Newman aspect. It's the only way they tie it in, and I, you know my love for Newman. Uh, yes, we do. All right. Uh, at Monk's, Kramer comes in. Uh, I said, yeah, he brings the doll, the mailman doll. Bucket on the head, which pe- people, you know, make fun of, yada, yada, yada. Um, we find out George wants to push um, his relationship or whatever with his cousin. He wants to try and get caught by his dad, you know, making out with his cousin. Yeah. So, okay. that He's gonna, he's just going to go all fucking in. Yep. Full hog. Hilarious. All right. <laughs> uh, N- Newman warns Kramer that he's in trouble. And I do like, he gives him an ominous, you know, premonition, you know, uh, that, Oh, it might be a, uh, someone, you know, someone, a a male person, you know, yeah. They're going to come up next to you. And then when he sees people coming down the street, you know, I like how he goes up to, to Kramer. He's like, no, it's a, and Kramer's like, no, it's going to happen the way you said. He's no, it's going down another way. And it's going down right now. This whole dialogue. I actually think is great. I I actually love all of this. I like this as well. And Absolutely. I think it's a strong showing by Wayne Knight. Like, it's a great yeah. Newman moment. It is a great Newman moment. And at the end of that little scene there, um, the guys in the suits are grabbing at Kramer, and they're pulling him somewhere. Yeah. So. All right. Jerry goes into the park to find Frankie. I hate fucking Frankie. Yeah, because so, um, yeah, so we found out from Kramer. Because he found the van with Kramer. Yeah, Kramer, he sold. Apparently, he thinks Jerry sold the van, but Kramer was just borrowing the van. And so now... Frankie has ran away into the, um, into the park to dig a hole because that's what he does. Uh, so Jerry goes into the park to try and find him. He sees he first sees this guy digging. And my question to you is, did you recognize that first guy digging the hole? The first guy digging the hole is from Curb Your Enthusiasm. He <laughs> yes. was the homeless guy on that show. And he, if you look at his IMDb, he's always playing some kind of homeless type person. He has a... Um, exactly he is typecast as like yeah like a druggie or homeless person he is the guy that that uh, uh larry david gives the duck larange to in season one right yeah uh, one or two i can't remember yeah so and i'll just call it out now because we may just pass by it really quickly the second hole digger is uh andy ackerman's uh uncle in real life and that was oh, like okay. his only like it i was saw just he this. had like nothing yeah. yeah so he had no credits so. yeah so okay. it was his uncle so i thought i thought that was cute but okay. that was honestly weirdly the only behind the like i was expecting to get some like wolford brimley uh, sort of insight mm-hmm. on the behind the scenes for this episode nothing it was literally it was just that andy ackerman being like oh that was my uncle it's like <laughs> okay great <laughs> okay uh we see george is now borrowing the van uh because he's gonna make out with his cousin that's part of his plan is to make out with the cousin in the van in central park like how are how is frank and estelle like why is it not in front of their house or something i don't know he he had this plan of bringing his parents to central park and they live in queens nowhere near fucking central park but like he had this whole plan to invite them over, but it was going to see them. They were going to see this van. I, it was so convoluted. I got very confused and I fucking hated it. Um, but the cousin wants to try to fuck G- uh, George right now. Um, Jack 
jumps up next not yeah uh frankie sorry not frankie not jake frankie jumps up to the van freaking out which ends up scaring george for some reason who runs the fuck away um because he thinks he's saying son of sam he's like is this seinfeld's van seinfeld's van and then george runs away thinking he's yelling son of sam and then he's like i knew it wasn't berkowitz so we get another Son of Sam reference, yeah. which is the same as the tote bag, you know, the, the mail bag from yeah. a few episodes ago or a su- few seasons ago. So another Son of Sam. I was like, I thought the Son of Sam thing was like in the 60s or the 70s. It was way fucking back. Yeah. It was not. No, it, it's weird. But I guess if you lived through it, it was probably a big deal and everything. I don't know, you know. And here's the thing. Here's like another aspect of it. I don't give a fuck about true crime stuff. I don't listen to any true crime podcasts. I don't care about Manson. I don't care about serial killers like at all and people's fatu- infatuation with them. So I really don't even know much about the son of Sam and shit, you know? No, I don't know shit. He's yeah. apparently a mailman who killed people. Yeah, mailman who killed people. So there you go. Yeah, whatever. All right. Elaine is at Monks with uh, Jack who says he's becoming the whiz. I'm the whiz. I'm the whiz. I'm the whiz. Puts on the crown and does his entire little shtick, which I think is the entirety yeah. of why Corey loves this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this little scene right here, I yeah. do love. I love this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, he's being ridiculous, I'm, and this is a very, you know, classic-y kind of thing. So, sure. Um, Jerry ends up finding Frankie in the hole, and I have no sympathy for fucking Frankie, and I just wish he would die in that goddamn hole. Yeah, I, I don't get the digging the whole thing or whatever. I don't get it at all, to be truthful with you. Nope. Uh, Frank and Estelle find the van, um, I guess because of something that George said to meet them out there. Again, George's storyline becomes so fucking convoluted, I can't stand it. And you can tell because they're in this throes of passion, uh, Frank and Estelle, you know they're going to fuck in the van. Of course, of course. Of course. So... Is this, this is where Frankie uh, and George meet for the first time. Is it right here or is it uh, in the next? Okay, the next got it. Yeah. Yep. So um, Kramer is taken by these people and now he's being questioned by the postmaster general that Corey already called out. Wilford Brimley. We all know him from Cocoon and Diabetes. <laughs> in the Betis. And uh, the if you listen to Podcasting After Dark, you know him from The Thing and Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I heard The Thing is actually going to come back into theaters. Yeah, for its 40th um, anniversary. Yep. I, I'm going to try because this will be my first time. Oh, no, no. Ooh. I was going to watch it with you. Can I watch it in the theater yes, first? Or should of I, yes, of course. Yes, of course. Am yes. I allowed to watch The Please? Thing, I'll, Maybe I'll go see in the theater, too, at the same time. Okay. Yes. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Because, Corey, you guys are going to do a – you're doing the John Carpenter thing. That actually might be like a year or so from now when I'm on the episode. Yeah, you're gonna. Be. we're going to have you on the Thing episode of The Carpenter Factor. It's a podcasting after dark Patreon exclusive series where we are going through every single John Carpenter movie in order. Um, actually, tomorrow night uh, we are recording our review of Elvis, his uh, second TV movie. It was where he wow. met Kurt Russell, um, and he uh-huh. so he makes a movie about Elvis. It's a fuck – it's 170 minutes. So <laughs> – I'm like, fuck me. Um, so I got to watch that shit. 
and y'all are doing. Uh, you, are you? You're not doing. We're not breaking like it a, down. No, okay. the carpenter like, factor is in a break, the full breakdown. Oh, already. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Be- no. thank you because <laughs> a pad a pad breakdown is so long already for like a fucking ninety minute movie. Yeah, dude. One hundred and seventy. <laughs> that would be that would be like an eight hour episode. So uh, yeah, but we're gonna have uh, Adam on the uh, the thing episode because he's never seen it, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, by the way, whatever if whatever you see it, even if you see it in the theater first, save all your impressions for on air when we talk okay. about it of course of course i will yeah i understand the entertainment value of podcasts exactly so anyways wolford wolford wilford brimley this was a pretty big name um even when i was younger i was like holy shit like it was also during the time frame where like you didn't see a lot of like movie actors guesting on tv shows mm-hmm. but at that point he'd already done like our house and stuff like that yeah. and everything but it was still like I was like, oh, wow. And he, by the way, he has a presence in this episode. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, he gets a lot of joke in general because of the diabetes Diabetes. commercials. But when you see him actually act, I like. Yeah. And not just like I love Wilford Brimley. John and I talk Cancun. And in general, Wilford Brimley, you're right, has a presence. That's a perfect way to put it. I love that. Like, the guy is fucking solid. He knows how to run a room when it comes to acting. Yeah, yeah, and, and we plugged the hell out of Pad, but guys and gals, go listen to the Cocoon episode of The Blast From Our Past. It was a really, really good episode, and I'm also very shocked how almost near impossible Cocoon <laughs> so is tough. to find streaming when it was a huge, huge fucking movie in the 80s, and, and it's one of the reasons why... I don't believe in streaming. I, I buy every yeah. Blu-ray because I don't. I think the streaming revolution yeah. is a piece of shit. But it's a I'm it's a fucking shocked. Ron Howard man. Yeah, to think that a Ron Howard movie is not out there, Just visible. Poof, that's gone. insane. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Crazy. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer, Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic through David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all. The good, the bad, and the bloody. Return, Revenge, Resurrection. A podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone! All right, anyway, so yeah, he kind of does this whole kind of interrogation of Kramer. They end up letting him go at some point, and then they bring in Newman, 
Uh, and he is a mailman, obviously, and he's got a bucket on his head. And I do like that that they continued that little whatever metaphor or whatever the fuck it is. Um, Even if it didn't work for the mannequin, it worked here. And yeah, as much as we just talked about how much we loved Wilford Brimley, this whole scene was great. Like, this whole scene was fucking awesome in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if it was referencing another pop culture film or anything like that. It didn't matter because it just worked. It, It worked on its own. I think it's just referencing interrogation scenes in general. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. So, all right. Uh, Jerry and Frankie run into George, and, and I like how cousin. George calls. Uh, oh, he goes, "Oh, winter me," and, and yes, George, and yeah. he's like, "Ah, summer me." Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, they they have that that same kind of relationship between each other. Um, and then uh, when George notices that the van is a rocking, uh, Jerry says, "Don't come a knocking." That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love it. <laughs> uh, but he, of course, opens it up and sees his parents having sex. Yeah. And uh, even Frankie says, yeah, you got to sell this van. <laughs> yeah, you got to so. sell that van. <laughs> now, I know this is a terrible thing for a lot of people. Um, have you ever uh, seen your parents having sex before or, uh, or heard it or anything? Like I, that? Um, I think I almost saw my stepdad and mom have sex, but I've never seen my dad and stepmom have sex. Yeah. Yeah. So and no, me I'm, neither. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did stay over to a friend's house one time and we heard his parents having sex upstairs, which is kind of weird if you're going to have like your kids, like all like your kid with like your three, his three friends like hang out. Like, is that the right time to go then bone loudly in your, in your room? Yeah. As I'm older, I'm thinking back on this. I'm like, that's yeah. a little weird, but yeah, that's always a weird thing to hear the, the squeaking and the, the moaning. Uh, they were feeling it, man. Whatever it was, having those boys in the house boys. got got them going. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I love Frank and Estelle being frisky, I would never want to see that. No, God, no. Um, I love, love Jerry Stiller. And I can't even, I'm sorry, I can't even remember her name, but the actress who played yeah. Estelle they're not attractive people. No, no, <laughs> never have been. No, but they're awesome for their roles, and I don't want to see them having sex. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we get a little tag, a completely useless tag, in my opinion. Of, but it's I guess it has some uh, comedic moments. Frank and Estelle trying to explain to George what they were doing. You yeah. Know, whatever. It, it's fine. I, it didn't. It didn't. Re- it's fine, but it didn't really fly for me. Yeah, and it wasn't as good. As, like the last episode of the blood had a better stinger because it's kind of wrapped things up a little bit. You know, yeah. this one yeah, it just kind of added on to it. Didn't really. Yeah. It wasn't necessary. Yeah, there was no like. It was not a ribbon tied. It was yeah. just kind of like it was just there. Exactly. So, um, but I I kicked off the the initial thoughts on on the blood. What were what's yours on this one, buddy? All right. Um, I will start start off by saying I have raised it by point uh, by point five, um, just because I had a good time talking about it with you. And so I'm like, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. So I gave it an extra point five. Um, Kramer's crusade against the post office was without question my favorite part of the episode. Uh, Newman was solid. Frank and Estelle are always great, but George's storyline was stupid, and his plan to get back at his parents made no fucking sense. Uh, Jerry's dilemma with Frankie wasn't funny at all. I really hated Frankie. It didn't make any fucking sense. I, I wanted him to die. I already said, I just wanted him to fucking let him die in his goddamn hole and just <laughs> leave him be. That was so stupid. Um, I like Elaine and Putty's volatility. I think it's a wonderful thing for the show. I, and I will say, I honestly didn't get enough of the whiz. I needed more of the whiz. 
probably because I didn't think the I thing made any sense. And so I needed more whiz. I needed something to kind of, I don't know, to work it out better. Um, and I, and I didn't know the whiz. And I would say you helped me appreciate that storyline better because that was a legit thing. Like, because they didn't explain it, they just assumed people knew what the fuck it was. And so I thought it was just them having bad writing that did, they didn't give me what the fuck is the whiz. What is going on here? Um, and so, you know, after all that kind of madness, I do appreciate the explanation. And so I gave the .5 bonus. I gave it two out of five vans are rocking. <laughs> you stole mine, but that's fine. I'll, oh, I'm that's sorry, fine. buddy. That's fine. Literally, I was going to do another one in the last split second. I like that one better. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, dude, you're not wrong, man. This was an episode that was problematic kind of it was like all over the place but i thought there were moments of gold in it and i don't know why i remember this one so fondly as a kid i was excited to watch it but watching it with more of a critical eye and really paying attention to everything you know i never understood what george's plan was i was more confused about the just where you're parking the van and how you're trying to get his parents <laughs> to like find it like uh, just just logistically how insane. are they supposed to find it in it's not even at a parking lot it's just in the woods, like where the fuck would you go to find that? So I never understood that. But then I like little things like this van's a rocking, don't go a knocking. Like there's just like these little micro moments of pure joy that I derived from this episode. I'm with you. I never cared much for Frankie Merman's digging of holes. But then on the other hand, I like Dana Gould. So I'm like, I'm at this weird I'm like, cut down the middle, and then I'm like, you know, I like this, but then I don't like that, and it almost is as if everything falls completely right in the middle for me, and I'm going to give this one 2.5 don't go a knockins. <laughs> I gave fans a rockin'. That's right. You gave don't go a knockin'. All yep. right, I like it. Exactly. But yeah, dude, this is, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting episode because if it, uh, I don't know if it's one of those things where the sum of its parts are, are you know, I guess they're, they're not better than the, the, some of the parts are worse than the whole. The whole is better than the sum of its parts, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's not a great episode. So. You, you are being just as convoluted as yeah. George's storyline right now. I'm and, not going to lie. And as the editor, I may cut all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it was still fun talking to you about it. And I am glad that I was able to shed some light on the whole whiz thing. And hey, maybe yes. I did that for, for people out there. But it is, I, I will say this, I will say this. It is interesting that the filmmakers, that the, the, the creators assumed that everybody would know what the whiz was to the point where they didn't really put any explanation into it. And I never yeah. really thought that anyone would not know what it was because when you're a kid, you just assume everyone sort of knows what you know, you know? It is a bit of a frustration uh, when shows do that, and Seinfeld is maybe not notorious for it, but they've done it multiple times. Um, there was that uh, that Yankee, holy cow, yeah, guy. Yeah. That same dude, like, none of us knew who the fuck he was because he's not a local yeah. um, broadcaster. Like, the funny thing is, I, what I really don't understand is the show, yeah, set in New York, filmed in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, how the fuck did they not realize that Los Angeles people wouldn't know what the fuck they're talking about with New York things, yeah. but they made it so New York. 
And so that is kind of a a strange little di- dichotomy that they made with that. It's a strange I, I, space that it inhabits. Yeah. 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 But I enjoyed talking to you about it, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking to you about the Merv Griffin show next episode, yes. and that will be a Patreon uh, exclusive episode, as as you all know. So we hope you all get to check that one out and join our Patreon for just $1 a month. You unlock every single uh, Patreon episode, but every single proper episode uh, from episode one is 100% ad-free on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, like you know, a lot of you have already found out, we're also doing Curb Your Enthusiasm over there as well. And that's been a blast sort of uh, going through that. And as you heard, you know, uh, already, you know, Adam and I are already starting to piece together like like things like, oh, this happened in Curb. And, you know, it's yeah. interesting how it sort of plays out differently here and stuff like that. And it's nice. You almost get a complete picture of Larry David's creativity when you watch both Curb and Seinfeld at the same time, which is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh highly recommend anybody out there. Um, check out Curb if you haven't in general. And then if you are, you know, willing to jump up to the $5 feed, Listen to our breakdowns of Curb because we are having a lot of fun breaking down that show. I've seen most of it, not really the recent seasons. Corey hasn't seen any of it uh, pretty much at all. So it's like we're having a good time over there. We're kind of fans. We're not the super fans that we are with Seinfeld, but we're really digging it. Yeah, we so, are. So, um, yeah, go check it out. I highly recommend check out our, uh, you know, jump up to that $5 level or for anybody who's listening, just even jump up to the $1 level. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get the worth of the value. I promise. Exactly. And you know, of course, check out all the awesome shows on the BFOP network. We are lucky and, and, and amazed to be with such great podcasters. And, uh, you know, we have action, action, you know, uh, people don't forget throwback trivia, takedown, talking back, blast from our past podcasting after dark, uh, return, revenge, resurrection. So many great shows. We have a new comic book one coming soon and everything comics unlimited comics by unlimited. the time that this is out that should be out there yep i saw that so yeah so go check it out uh everything in our network is on the bfop network website that's bfopnetwork.com again that's bfopnetwork.com mostly lovingly referred to as bfop <laughs> and we'll catch you guys next week on patreon with the merv griffin show Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. 
So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>